Okay, <clears throat> on your sheet there, right then, we've looked at the nature of sorrow, the nature of despair, the complication of physical illness, and then the complication of overload when we o overload ourselves, right? And the antidote to despair uh, <clears throat> is watch how you muse and watch you choose when you lose. All right, let's start from the back and work up. You will have losses in your life. You will have things you wanted, expected, hoped for, intended, planned for, and all the rest, and don't happen. Right? <clears throat> okay? So, <clears throat> you will have losses. Things will go wrong. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how good-looking you are, how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter. You're going to have problems. Right? <clears throat> So you, there's just going to be difficulties in your life. Now, if you take that as a fact, then what's going to happen is when you have difficulties, you're going to make choices. You're going to choose. Right? Basically, you're either going to choose the world to fix it, or you're going to choose God to fix it. Basically, that's what you do. You're going to choose one or the other. Right? And what, watch what you, how you muse. The idea is watch how you think. Because your thinking is going to guide the whole thing. And that, by the way, <clears throat> is what we've been looking at uh, all the way through this taking time to quiet a noisy soul. We've been looking at what you think. Now, we're going to be really helpful to you tonight. Um, <clears throat> Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, <clears throat> we're going to go through a passage he wrote that's going to be really helpful when it comes to you recognizing the dynamics of how you go down, okay? Uh, <clears throat> so unchecked thoughts can lead to overwhelming feelings, right? Okay, now you've got to get that in your head, right? <clears throat> Feelings follow thoughts. Feelings follow thoughts. Now, you may not be aware of the thoughts that create the feelings, but the feelings, the thoughts do not come from, <clears throat> from feelings. The, the thoughts come, and then you end up feeling, and the feelings can be overwhelming. You can be in the place where I have to. What option do I have? And the feelings are driving it. Now, feelings, <clears throat> you know... You don't have to do what you feel like doing. But you can let the feelings get out of hand. So <clears throat> um, unchecked thoughts can lead to overwhelming feelings. The psalmist talks to God in Psalm 42, verse 1 through 6 and 7. Right? <clears throat> so stopping wrong thinking at the anxiety level by letting your requests be made known unto God keeps you from moving to the, to the despair level. Right? <clears throat> so when you, instead of you just going down, spiraling down when you have loss, if you catch yourself on, and if you begin to bring it to the Lord, you know, <clears throat> you, you, you're taking a whole different tack with it. All right, bring it to the Lord, right? <clears throat> and don't just ask for deliverance, ask for endurance. Because remember, the, 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 the difficulties that come into your life don't come into your life just by accident. God takes them, looks at them, and says, yeah, this is a good fit. Um, <clears throat> Jensen needs this, and brings it into your life. You know, and some of the things, it's very hard for us to reconcile that God might allow this in our lives, particularly when we let the feelings get out of hand. Because we think, how could God do this to me? Right? But you've got to recognize, no, God did it to you, and He loves you, He knows what's best, and He's able to do what's best for you. So, you know what, when you bring something into your life, you've got to get your head around it and realize, He's bringing this into my life. Right? And then the psalmist talks to himself. Look at Psalm 42, verse 5 and verse 11. Somebody read them for us. Psalm 42, verse 5 and verse 11. Well, you could read them both. I'll tell you, you'll find that they're actually they're a pair. 
Yeah, verse 5 and verse 11, right? Go, go ahead. No, he's... Why art thou to cast down all my soul? And why art thou to spoil in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his counting. Verse 11. Why art thou to cast down all my soul? And why art thou to disappoint within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall see, for I shall yet praise him, who is in the help of my counting. Okay, now, <clears throat> so who's he talking to? Talking to himself. What's he saying to himself? Okay. What he's saying, you know, uh, it's not, but he's talking to himself. Now, what we're going to look at, we're going to read through this passage. I want you to look at this passage as we read through it. If you haven't got it there, um, look at it beside, with somebody beside you. But this is what Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote, and it's there on your sheet, okay? And it is extremely helpful to us, okay? I suggest that the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression, in a sense, is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Right now, let's let's put our thinking caps on. What is he talking about? We allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. What's he talking about there? Okay. Well, what you're doing is you're allowing oh, the feelings to rise up and, and the thinking to run its course instead of you saying, now hang on a minute. And you giving yourself a talking to. Now, do you, do you recognize the difference between those two? When you're spiraling downward, we're all going to die, we're all going to die, we're all going to die. Who's talking there? Yourself is talking to you. <clears throat> you know, it's in control. You're not talking to it. You're not sit- grabbing the situation and saying, hey, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. <clears throat> Why am I so upset? God's still in control. That's what the psalmist is doing there in Psalm 42. <clears throat> so what happens is we let that talk go on. And, and that, let me ask you to think about that talking, that when self talks to you. What does self say to you? What does it tend to say to you? Normally negative. Okay, negative. Yep, definitely. What else? What's it saying to you? Well, there's lots of stuff it's saying to you. Risk it. Stinking thinking. Stinking thinking, right? Yep. Pardon? Little devil and soy. You see, now here's, here's something we've got to be careful of, though. You see, we have three enemies, right? We have the world, we have the devil, and what's the third one? Yourself, yourself the flesh. Now, and we really got to identify between those three when they're working in our lives. You know, we've got to walk, <coughs> understand. I mean, when it's the devil attacking you, there's one way of dealing with it. But um, when it's your own, yourself attacking you, you've got to be able to deal with that too. You're responsible for getting control of yourself. You'll never get control of the devil. But you're responsible for getting control of yourself, right? Okay. So, what else would we notice about this thinking? When self is talking to me, what's it saying to me? Let me let me throw one off you. Poor you. Okay, not good enough. Right? Poor, poor you. You deserve better than this. Now, 
Self-pity defeats us. What does does self-pity do for you? How does it help you? How does feeling sorry for yourself help you? It doesn't help you in any way. It disempowers you. Poor you. This is not fair. And you're there having a pity party and you could be, you know, crying all by yourself because it's, it's so unfair and you're so sad and everything. And, and, and self-pity can, can, just, can just work its way down on you. Now, self-pity is when self is talking to you. Poor you. Are you ever poor you? Are you ever poor you? Is that ever true? Like, can a man who has a million in the bank say, I'm broke? (laughs) It's not true. Okay, now, when you say, poor me, I'm being unfairly treated, is that really true? Or are you just kind of making that up? Now here's where, here's where, here's where what you believe really happens. Is God really in control? Is God really in control of your life? I know the pastor said last Wednesday night he is, but you know what? That guy lives in a little ivory tower in his own little world, and you know what? In his life that might be true, but I'm not sure it's true in my life. You know, listen, my life's harder than that. My life's got some problems and difficulties and so on. Now hang on a minute. Is God really in control in your life? Okay, you can think. So in your world, you think that he isn't. Well, the facts are the Bible says that he is. Well, you can think that. Okay, right, that's good. Right, you can know the Bible says yes, he is, but the feeling is he's not. Okay, where does the feeling come from? Okay, we do. We definitely get some sort of a buzz. But let's, let's stick on Alan's thought here for a second, right? <clears throat> you know, um, we know God's in control, but we don't feel like He is. Where does that feeling come from? Our thinking. We're not thinking biblically. All right, <clears throat> now, and that's that's fair. You know, some people have dreadful stuff to deal with in their Christian lives, right? Now, but now, what we got to do is we got to work out. Now, can something so bad happen in my life that the reality is I'm going to end up feeling like God's not in control, and that's the only place I can go? Or does my thinking do that? Which is it? Now, look, I, I, I'm not making this a small thing. This is a big thing. This is a big deal. This is a big problem for us. It's very small thing because you're a Christian, you're going to church, you're going to seek wisdom or counsel. If you're not getting counsel, you're not going to church. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's take some extremes, right? Could somebody go through a concentration camp where they were horribly abused and come out the other end of it 
believing in God and that God has control of the whole situation. Could somebody do that? Well, they have, haven't they? Right? Now, I'm sure not every Christian that went into the concentration camp came out feeling that God was in control. You know, I'm sure we could find, you know, we could find other stories where people came out, you know, completely discouraged and maybe losing their faith, um, you know, in those hard situations. I'm sure we could find those things. But what we would also find is we would find that what made the difference was the thinking. Now, the reality is, you hit something hard like that, and your thinking doesn't automatically bounce into the right place. And to be reasonable with us, it's probably not true that you know you, you know you can instantly get it going. You probably have a, a, a process to go through where you come through it, right? But here's where this helps you. If first of all you know that wrong thinking always leads you to the place where God doesn't care. So the problem is not that God doesn't care. And the problem is not even my feelings. The problem is my thinking in that situation. And I've got to grab my thinking and keep turning my thinking around and keep turning, turning my thinking around and keep turning my thinking around. And when I, ultimately, when I get to the place where I have my thinking in the right place, and I'm thinking God's in control and God's in charge, you know what, I begin to feel that he's in control and in charge. And although the situation might not change, I now know God's in charge, God's in control, and I'm okay, I'm safe. Now, does that make sense? Because ask me questions on this. This is, this is pretty important stuff to us. Either, either I'm talking to myself and telling myself truth, or self is talking to me and telling me, we're going to die. This is terrible. This is not fair. This is dreadful. Either I'm talking and telling myself truth. Now, I can have a problem where I don't know truth. I don't know truth to, truth to apply to the situation. And I think in our day and age, for Christians, that's a, that's a very real problem because although we have lots of Bibles, we have very little Bible <clears throat> understanding and knowledge. A lot of churches you could go to and you could go to forever and you know, not really gain any solid uh, Bible. And really even coming to church and getting it, unless you t- are taken at home and kind of studying, you're not going to get solid truth uh, in you. But you need to get solid truth in you so that you combat your thinking with right thinking. You know, we're going to face hard things. We're going to face things that, you know, just don't seem right to us. But what we've got to do is we've got to understand that, listen, we can actually come through those things on the right side. Battle, it may be. But we can come through. Now, that's, that's faith. If you don't have that kind of faith, uh, if you don't trust that, that that's possible, you're really in trouble because the enemy's going to take and use it against you. But I've got to trust that no matter what happens to me in this life, Jesus Christ has promised I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And I can walk with him. I can wade through it and I can walk with him. And it's real. And I can depend upon him no matter what happens. There's nothing coming into my life that is so bad that it's going to drive me away from God unless I end up thinking that way and choosing that way. So what we're looking at now is we're looking at talking to ourselves. Giving yourself a good talking to. 
kind of turning it around, right? <clears throat> Do you ever have a situation in your life, you know, when you, when you were struggling with something and somebody gave you a talking to? And maybe you read you the riot act and you were, you were offended at first. But after a while you began to think, you know what? That's right. That's the truth. And what the, the talking to they gave you turned it around for you. Right? <clears throat> That's what you need to do to yourself. You need to learn not to, ha not to have to be in the place where somebody else is doing that to you, where you do that to yourself. You give yourself a talking to. That's what the psalmist is doing. That's what um, <clears throat> Martin Lloyd-Jones is talking about. Now let's look back to our sheet and keep reading here, right? And we'll tease our way through it, right? <clears throat> right, <clears throat> second line. Uh, am I just trying to be deliberately paradoxical? Far from it. This is the very essence of wisdom in this matter. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts which come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. They start talking to you. They bring back the problem of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now this man's treatment, speaking of the psalmist in verse 42, was this. Instead of allowing himself to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, he says. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him, so he stands up and he says, Self, listen for a moment, I will speak to you. Do you know what I mean? If you do not, then you have but little experience. The idea where you talk to yourself. Right? You, know, you wake up those thoughts, oh no, it's a disaster. You know, it's a disaster, and there's this problem, and there's that problem. And you know, before you get out of bed, you can be, you can be <clears throat> in a puddle of self-pity. Right now, <laughs> listen, am I odd or are we all the same? You know, the, the, the thoughts can start running in the morning and it can just work you down before you ever get out of bed. Is that, is that, is that true? That's, that's true for us, isn't it? Now, the question is, what are you doing with the thoughts? You can be passive. Oh, yeah. Self, you're dead right. That's not worth getting out of bed. And you pull the covers up over your head. Can't you? Well, you're not even in the men's home because they're going to come drag you out of bed anyway, you know? Uh, you'll have Jason coming knocking on your door and pulling you out of bed and saying, listen, time for you to get out of bed, you know? Uh, <clears throat> big trouble if you don't get out of bed. But you can get to the place where you're so depressed, you want to pull the covers up over your head, you just want to, oh, forget this. Right? Now, <clears throat> or else you can start talking to yourself from the moment you wake up. Now, what would you tell yourself? Well, what's a problem you could be, that would hit you first thing in the morning? A problem that's going through your mind that would hit you first thing in the morning? Something. Something that would hit your friend, not you, okay? Right? Bills to pay. Bills to pay. Okay, there's bills to pay, right? There's bills to pay, and you know what? <clears throat> there's, when I add up all the bills, there's X amount. And when I add up all the money there is, there's not enough to pay X. So I've got bills to pay, and I haven't got enough money to pay the bills. Right? <clears throat> now, it, it, it's almost as though you're, you, you're at a crossroads there. Where are you going to go with it? Right? <clears throat> maybe, there's, maybe there's two or three different roads. <clears throat> uh, there's, you know, some people say, that oh, doesn't matter, and they, they get happy, and they just forget about the bills. Which is not a good idea. So what are you going to do? How are you going to challenge the thinking there? Your self is saying to you, listen, you're short of money, you're always short of money, you're a loser. 
you know, your fault, you know, you're, you're always in this place, you're just, you know, whatever. And it can, it, can, it can go down there rapidly for you. Or what else can you do? Okay, get a job. You could redo your budget, right? <coughs> okay. Yeah, now, those are helpful, and those, that's important for you to do, right? But even before you get there, what's going to help you with those things? Okay, try to take it into prayer. Wait, what kind of thinking am I going to go through, though? What kind of thinking? What am I going to do at that point? The reality is, you know what? We're not, we're not messing around here. The reality is there's more, there are, there's less money than bills. So what am I going to do with that thought? God is for me. Right? God is for me. Now, how do you work that out? How do you work out that God is for you in that situation? Pardon? Sorry? Pray, pray for your own? Pray for alone, okay. <laughs> you always got the best ones. <laughs> pray for alone, yeah? Okay. Uh, no, I, I wasn't talking your accent. I was saying a bit what you were saying. Pray for alone, right? So you get, you get alone. Okay? Now, <clears throat> that may not be the best answer. Right? Okay. Now... <clears throat> All right, let's do, do, do a little financial. I'll find a little financial planning here, quick. Now, look, a lot of people think that. Who's going to give me a loan? If I get a loan off somebody, it'll, it'll make the situation work out. Now, here's the problem, though. If I haven't got enough money this month to pay all the bills, and I take on a loan, and now next month I've got next month's bills, plus the loan to repay, I'm deeper in trouble. Right? Now, unless you're the government... <laughs> you can't do that. And if you watch the American government, that's what they do. They, they, you know, they borrow and borrow and borrow and borrow and borrow. I think the latest one is three trillion, right? Now, who knows how much three, three trillion is? It's a lot of money, but they just keep borrowing, you know. And um, that's. But you can't do that because sooner or later, you see, the first month you borrow, okay, so great, you get the bills paid. The second month now, you've got all the same bills, same income, plus the loan to pay. So you're able to borrow that amount. And you get it all paid. Okay, great. The third month, now you got your, your, your gap between your income and your bills, plus two loans you got to pay back. You're in joy. <laughs> 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 and eventually, eventually you, end up, you end up with them where you can't pay the loan, and so therefore, you know, you're, <clears throat> you're not going to get another loan. So while that is an immediate fix, friend, okay, it really may not be the best one. And unfortunately, it's probably the one that's applied most. Plastic is a great way of taking a loan. Yeah, you, you can do it, okay? All right, so that, 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 that's our, our money. So you think, I'm going to take a loan. All right, now, hang on a minute. If I can come to the point where God is for me, it doesn't look like God is for me, because you know what? I've got more bills than I have a month. Right? <coughs> It doesn't look like God is for me, right? But <clears throat> so now, what do I do? 
Or how does the fact that God is for me kind of work its way out in my life? I mean, is it real or is it just something we talk about in church? You know, church is one thing, you know, God is for me. Uh, but the reality of life is, you know what, I'm up <clears throat> the creek without a paddle and life is pretty bad. Or, or, or is it real? Is God really for me when the times are hard? What's going to make the connection there for me? My situation and the fact that God is for me. What's going to connect it for me there? How am I going to do it though? What's it called? Give me, put a name on it. Faith. I'm going to trust God. Now, we talked about trusting God. Is trusting God this wonderful feeling of calm and peace I have? Or is trusting God a decision I make? Okay, God, doesn't look, it doesn't look very good to me, Lord, but I know you're for me. How do I know you're for me? Because your word says you're for me. Lord, I'm trusting that you're for me. Whatever happens, you're for me and you're going to take care of me. So, Lord, that's, that's my first base. Right now, I'm, I'm putting in a foundation here. This is a foundation. God is for me. Now, that's not where I stop. I just don't say God is for me and sit around twiddling my thumbs waiting for God to fix the situation. What I do is I say God is for me and I say, okay, now, what would, what would you have me do, Lord, about this? This situation. <clears throat> How would you have me fix it? You know, somebody said you might get a job. You know, the, uh, you know, cut down your budget. You know, the, what would you have me do? But you start working on the situation, but you're depending upon God. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing about depending upon God. Once I begin to trust in God, I'm on positive ground. I have something positive to tell self. Self, God loves me. He's going to take care of the situation. We're going to trust Him in it. Right? <clears throat> And we're going to make that decision to trust God in the hard time, and we're going to depend upon Him to show us how to work it out. We're not going to stop there and do nothing else, but we're going to depend upon Him. So we're going to build that in as a foundation in our lives. God is for me. What else would you tell yourself that would be helpful? That's good, isn't it? You know, isn't that good? You know, you, you, at first time you may say, well, God's for me, I don't really feel it, but I'm going to trust that He's for me anyway. And, you know, what you'll find is you'll find that when God works it out, your faith actually works ultimately hope. And you begin to trust God more. All right, so what else would you tell yourself to build, to, to, to build yourself up at this point, <clears throat> you know, where you give yourself a talking to? You tell yourself, listen, God's in charge. Right, he's for me. Christine? He's promised to take care of me. God's promised to take care of me. Now, <clears throat> And you, you might pull up Bible verses, lots of Bible verses there. But you start pulling Bible verses into your head and you start talking to yourself. By the way, talking to yourself with Bible verses is really good for you. That's why you're supposed to meditate on them and think upon them. But you tell yourself, no, God's, God's, God's for me. God's going to take care of me. And you build some solid truth and then you embark on, but you embark on the day from the position of, look, I'm okay, God's going to take care of me. I just need to know what I'm supposed to do with this thing. You know, whereas self is telling you, oh no, you haven't got enough money to pay the bills, Listen, it's all going to fall apart, your life's going to fall apart, you're going to lose the house, you're going to lose the car, you're going to lose everything, you know, and this is just serves you right because you're a loser. And it can, self can just kind of wind you down to the place where, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. And it can wind you down to the place where, you, where, where you're destroyed. But when you start putting in right thinking about God, you put in a baseline and you begin to build. You're not going down now, you're going up. But you've got to talk to yourself. Don't let self talk to you. 
Self will talk to you and talk you down and really do you in. Don't let that happen, right? <clears throat> okay, back to our sheet here, right? The main art in the, in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself, to, have, to take yourself in hand. You have, to, you have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why art thou cast down? What business have you been, uh, you to be so disquieted? You must turn on yourself, upbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, Hope thou in God, instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, and what God is, and what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. Then having done that, end on this great note, defy yourself and defy other people who discourage you and defy the devil and the whole world and say with this man I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance who is also the health of my countenance and my God now here's what he's saying he's saying you know listen you, you, you get your thinking in the right place and then you make bold declarations of faith it's going to work out it's going to be okay I am going to be in a place where I praise God I am going to be in that kind of a place. It's not always going to be like this. I'm going to be in a place where I praise God. And you're boldly declaring faith in the face of circumstances that really are hard on you. And, that's not, and it's not you just using wiffle dust, it's you taking scriptural truth and applying it in your life. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to praise God. And listen, that's always true. God wants you to trust him and to depend upon him in that dark day. Now, don't do the one where God is going to take care of me and I know tomorrow morning when I go out to the door, out to the door there's going to be a, an envelope in the door with two grand in it and I'm going to be fine. I know God's going to do that. God's going to take care of me. He's going to give me two grand in the morning. He's going to give me two grand in the morning. The post comes at nine o'clock. There's going to be a check there for two grand. I just know there is. Because by half nine, your faith may be shattered. Because God never said he was going to give you a check in the post. Now you might have read a story where he did that for somebody else and he can do that for you if he likes but he may not do that at all. But he will take care of you. He will always take care of you. No matter what happens he will take care of you. He's committed to you. Now understand that. You know, <clears throat> When God said that you're his child he wasn't just talking words. As far as God is concerned, you're in the family. You're in. You're his. You're one of his own. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to walk away from you. You're one of his own. He's going to take care of you. And so you can trust that he's always going to take care of me. It may be different. It may work out differently than you expect. You know, it may work out, you know, that it's not exactly the way you'd like it to be. But you're going to find that, that God's going to take care of you. I was talking to a Christian guy. Uh, he was teaching a, in a Bible college, and he really hadn't got a big salary, and he, and he had a loan just, just about the time of the crash, right? And um, he was really, really struggling with the whole thing because he, he wasn't able to, 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 to pay the mortgage uh, on the house he'd purchased. So he's, he's really struggling with it and really struggling with it and, you know, <clears throat> uh, feeling like a loser and feeling like all the rest of it and like he'd taken it. And listen, he had some issues there where he'd taken out borrowed more money than he could afford to borrow. But <clears throat> here's what happened in the end. In the end, he let go and he lost the house. But you know what? The market was so depressed afterwards that a friend loaned him enough money to buy a better house. 
with a much less payment. Now, what happened was he's going through a dreadful crisis in his life and feeling like a loser and feeling like all the rest of it. But ultimately what God does in his life is God does something better. God puts him in a much better place. Not the way he expected, but God puts him in a much better place. Now, you can depend upon God taking care of you. One way or the other, he's going to take care of you. Now, if you get that in your heart and in your mind, you know what? You're okay. You're safe. You're in good hands. You really don't have anything to worry about anymore. The fact that we worry means we really don't have this truth, John. And the more we get at this truth that we get to apply it in our lives, you know what? The safer we are, the more comfortable life is. Because God's going to take care of me. But here's the thing. If you let self talk to you, you're going down always. If you talk to self and get yourself by the scruff of the neck and sit yourself down and give yourself a talking to and say, now what are you talking about here? God is in charge. God is going to take care of me. We're going to be okay. Right? And, and you start to talk to self instead of letting self talk to you, right? <clears throat> okay. Um, now, are, are we catching this? Any questions on this? Are we catching this thought? This, this is not just, you know, point number 14 in the thing. This is the core issue here when it comes to discouragement. Who is doing the talking? You or self? Who is doing the talking? You or self? Are, is self talking to you and running you down? Are you talking to self and, t- t- and, and making self look at things spiritually? Who is doing the talking, right? <clears throat> All right, number two. He reminds himself that God is in this picture uh, and has a disposition to help. I have a God to hope in, he says in verse 5 and 11. God is full of loving kindness, he says in verse 8. However, uh, <clears throat> Verse 8b, he will send me songs for times like this. Can you sing when things are really bad? Yep. God can put a song in your heart when things are really bad. Now, you've got to trust that he's able to do that, though. Because too often we think, you know, oh, man, this is just bad. And we want to focus on the fact this is so bad. And it's so sad, and I'm so sorry for myself. And there's no song in that. But if God's in charge, and God's going to work it out, and he's in control, you know what, I can have a song in my heart. He is the one who will cause my countenance to be lifted up again. You you can't preach yourself a sermon you haven't prepared ahead of time. You've got to prepare ahead of time. You've got to know what you're going to say before you actually get up there to say it. When it comes to you, 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 you preaching to yourself, you know, you're not going to preach to yourself truth. Okay, okay where's that page? Oh, where's that page? Oh, what is it? Here's what I'm supposed to say. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to say this to myself. Okay, all right, let's try this. No, it doesn't work like that. You've got to go through the truth and make the truth your own. You've got to have truth in your arsenal that you throw at yourself and you know it's true. You believe it's true. But you've got to preach to yourself. Prepare the sermon ahead of time. Then preach to yourself. Give yourself truth, right? Um, You must become a person of the Word, a person who spends much time meditating upon who God is and what He has promised us. You know, I I could talk to you about the pastorate, and I could talk to you about all the problems that come with the pastorate. But all the problems that come with the pastorate are outweighed by this one thing. 
I get to study the Word. I get to study the Word. I get to study the Word and get to know God. And all the problems of the pastorate are outweighed by that. Because you know what? That is just food for my soul. Right? <clears throat> now, you need to study the Word. Obviously, you don't have an office and you don't have, you know, <clears throat> the same responsibility on you as I do as far as... But you need to study the Word for you. You know... <clears throat> when you prepare to teach somebody else, you end up taking stuff on board yourself. When you study, get into it, and work it out, you know what? It blesses your soul. And you get to know more about God. You've got to become a student of the Word. You know, don't be glib and frivolous and light about the Word. Be a student of the Word. Get your head in the book. Get the book in your heart. And be somebody who actually takes this thing and makes it yours. Don't skate along on the surface of the Word. Get into it and let it get into you. Because you need to have something to tell yourself. Right? Um, you must watch how you muse when you lose. You see, the right kind of thinking is going to come from the right kind of theology, which is the right kind of understanding of who God is. The right kind of thinking is going to come to you there. But you've got you to <clears throat> watch what's going on in your thinking, right? <clears throat> Number three, then. Despair, sorrowing without hope, is com complicated by wrong choices during our loss. This is why we say, watch how you muse and how you choose when you lose. Some bad choices amidst a loss include indulging your lusts and passions in sexual fantasy fantasies or activities in order to feel good again. Okay? Now, what we're going to look at is a list of things that make people feel good. Right? So, I'm down. I got bills, and I haven't got enough money to pay. I feel awful, I feel dreadful, feel like a loser, feel like all these problems are coming in on top of me. Okay, I, I need to feel better. What are you going to do to make yourself feel better? This is really important to you. What do you currently do to make yourself feel better? Okay. An exercise is good for you, but ultimately it's not going to fix the problem for you. It's going to give you, a, you know, a burst of adrenaline and, and, and dopamine that's going to make you feel better, but that's ultimately not going to solve your problem. You know, you know, um, sexual fantasies, activities—they can do it. Look at the next one: going on a wild spending spree in order to forget what has been troubling you or to make you feel better. Now, that wouldn't be everybody's choice, but for some people, it would. Spend money makes them feel so much better. <clears throat> Um, ignoring important responsibilities at home or work or school because you want a break from pressures. Pressures are all too much for me. I need, I need a break. I need to just relax and take it easy and just walk away from all my responsibilities and let them all. Because it makes me feel better. Right? <clears throat> That's not going to ultimately help you. Um, uh, binging on food to experience a little bit of pleasure amidst all the disappointment. I need chocolate. I need something to eat that's going to make me feel good. And I'm binging. Because I've got all these problems and I can't handle all the problems, so this makes me feel good. I'm looking for a way out. I, <clears throat> attempting an overdose or contemplating some other form of suicide. Now just thinking about it. I could end all this. I don't have to have all this pain. 
I could end it all. I didn't have to worry about the bills. I wouldn't be worried about the bills. I wouldn't have all these responsibilities hanging out of me. I, wouldn't. I could end it all. By the way, that's a dangerous game. It's not your life. You don't have the right to take it. And you start playing around in your thinking with taking your life, and you never know. One day, in a crazy moment, you might <clears throat> fix a temporary problem with a permanent solution. And then you have to face Jesus, and he's going to say, what are you doing here? You made it the time, wasn't the time? Listen, that, that, is a, that is a dangerous place to go. But sometimes just the thinking, I could end it all. I don't have to stay here. Makes us feel a little bit better. Don't do that. That, that, that one's a bad place to go. Um, <clears throat> turn to alcohol or drugs for a pick-me-up during the downtimes. Some way to make me feel better. Now, <clears throat> and indulging in some reckless or dangerous activity because of the temporary rush it gives. You got in the, <clears throat> you got in the motorway and you put your foot down. Hope the police don't catch you. And it gets really scary and really dangerous. You know, all kinds of things. Now listen, there are all kinds of ways we can go to make ourselves feel better. And they're all wrong. They're all wrong. Some people just go to bed. I like sleeping. I'm happy when I'm asleep. They're all wrong. You can't do that. You can't just let that happen. You can't just resign life and let it happen. You've got to deal with it. You've got to deal with stuff in your heart and in your head. You've got you to work your way through stuff. You've got to overcome and put things in, in, in the right place. Many people complicate their lives by making wrong choices like these when they are despairing. Uh, then they have to face, also face the debt, the addiction, the work term, termination, uh, losing your job, shame, guilt. And you don't have this. I'm going to give you some points to write down. So if you have a pen, um, <clears throat> I'm going to get you to write down the last couple of points in, the, in this lesson. All right? Other results of simple choices. Thus it is absolutely essential that you watch what you choose when you lose, right? You, if you let your thinking just run, right, and you end up doing all kinds of things to fix it up and make you feel better, what happens is you end up with greater problems at the end of it than you had at the beginning. You end up doing things to make you feel better that, and, and you end up with more problems. Don't do that one. You've got to learn to look life square in the eye. And deal with the situations that life presents to you. And there really is only one way of dealing with it. I mean, obviously people in the world muddle by. But you've got to look life square in the eye and recognize God loves me. He has allowed this in my life and I'm going to be just fine. Painful it may be. That's reasonable. But God loves me. He's allowed this in my life and I'm going to be just fine. He's going to take care of me. <clears throat> Alright, so the psalmist in verse 42 gives us wonderful instructions for handling sorrow. Here it is. You write, they write these down, right? <clears throat> First of all, objectively identify your loss. What is it that you've lost? Because you can't kind of hide from that either. You know what I mean? Um, what is it that you lost? You know, if you lose a, uh, someone very close to you, well, you gotta, obviously you can identify that. You, you, you've lost this person. This is real in my life. 
Sometimes it's a little bit more complicated than that. Some some point, sometimes it's, you know, <clears throat> I used to feel good about myself because of this, and now it's gone. Now I don't feel good about myself anymore. What, what's that showing you, by the way? Yeah, you're depending on the wrong thing. Right? <clears throat> you know, um, now it's real, but you're depending upon the wrong thing. So, but you but you got to identify what it is that you've lost. You can't just ignore it and say it didn't happen. That's delusion, and and the problem with delusion and deception is there's kind of a, you know, <clears throat> a limitation on it. You come to the end of you, you can only you can only have so many deceptions and delusions in your mind until you fall off it all one day, and you end up in a mental institution. Because you know, you've been living in, in, in a place different than the world. You've been living in a place where, you know, where you're not actually touching reality. You've got, you got to identify what's really happening in your life. You've got, you got to be honest about yourself. right? <clears throat> and by the way, you've got to be honest about your thinking. I think sometimes we're not very good at looking at how we're thinking. Particularly for guys sometimes. You know, <clears throat> you know, you, you, you'll often find a girl who's actually very closely aware of our thinking, but guys are just kind of, you know, hanging around, we're doing it, man, and we're, we're moving on, and something's wrong, we don't really know what it is, shoved deep down there somewhere, but, you know, it's causing us problems, but we really don't know what it is, and somebody's got to kind of pull it out of us. But we need to identify how it is that we think and what goes on in our thinking, because there are patterns of thinking that we each one of us have, and the patterns of thinking can be a real problem to us. There, there, there are records that you put on. And if you could identify what the record is saying, right? <clears throat> um, what it's actually saying to you. And here's how you'll identify it. In that moment of crisis, when things start looking bad, what do you say to yourself? Loser. You always mess up. Sometimes it's somebody else's voice that's kind of, we've taken on board and we play it over and over again. You've got to identify the thinking. You've got to identify that thinking, you know, find out what's, what's there. And then you've got to challenge the thinking. Don't just, don't just identify it and uh, accept it. Challenge the thinking. Is this really true? Is this, listen, truth makes free. That's what it does. Truth makes free. You should know the truth, and the truth should make you free. The, the truth makes us free. You know what? The opposite is true too. Deception is bondage. I got to deal in truth. I got to deal in truth in every area of my life. My fantasy life can't be apart from truth. Which limits your fantasy life a whole lot, doesn't it? Because you got to be real. You got to be <laughs> playing with thoughts, you know, that are fantasy. Listen, that's, that, that's deception and it's bondage. And you end up dealing with the world as though certain things that are not real are real. That's a problem. Truth. God requires truth in the inward part. That's what he's looking for. And that's what you need. So you've got to get, <laughs> get this truth thing going, right? Uh, <clears throat> okay, secondly, talk to the God of all hope. Talk to him. Bring it before him. Okay, I got this problem, right? <clears throat> I got this problem, I got this issue. Lord, I have no idea how to deal with this. But Lord, I know you're there. And I know you're in control. And I know you love me. And I know you're going to take care of me. Talk to God. 
Talk to God about it, right? Uh, talk to yourself. Rebuke yourself uh, of wrong thinking and remind yourself of what God is like. Now, you talk to yourself. Don't let self talk to you. Right? If you talk to yourself, you tell yourself to think right. right? You don't let yourself think whatever it wants to think. You tell yourself to think right thinking. And you identify what the right thinking is. But you want self to think right. So you're going to tell it to think right. You're going to, you're going to demand right thinking of it. Right? So t- tell yourself, and give yourself a good talking to. Don't side with yourself. Self is saying, you poor thing, this is terrible, that we always get treated like this, and it's not fair, and you know, nobody loves me, and everybody hates me, and I'm going out and eat worms, and you know, whatever it is that you, that you think in those times, don't side with yourself and say, yeah, that's, 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 that's the truth. It's not the truth, it's a lie. Identify it as a lie, and rebuke it as a lie. Listen, just like we said, the guy with the million, million euros in the bank, he couldn't say he was broke. Uh, hello, it's not true. You got a million euros in the bank, you're not broke. Right? You're a Christian. You're on your way to heaven, and the Spirit of God dwells within you, and the Word of God is given to you to show you how to live. Listen, you can never be poor, you. You're going to have difficulties to deal with. Yeah, everybody does. But you know what? You have it made because you've got God dealing with the difficulties with you. So you've got to get off this thing where you give in to yourself and you let the lies kind of bleed into your life because they'll destroy your life. Don't side with yourself. Side with God against yourself. <clears throat> and then number four, wait for God's deliverance in His time. That's kind of a tough one for us. Because God doesn't deliver according to our schedule. He delivers in His time. When he is good and ready, God delivers. You just got to wait for him to deliver you. You can't call the shots on it. You can't demand that God do it. You got to just depend upon him. All right, that's the end of the lesson. Any questions on it? What's the key thought on this one? Give yourself a talking to. Give yourself a talking to. Don't just let your mind, your thinking run. Don't go, well, I know that's what pastor says, but you know what the truth is? No, that's a lie. God loves you. Jesus died for you. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in you, and he's given, his, he's given you his word. You have it made. Get your thinking straightened out. <clears throat> Alan. Um, is it, would it would be true now to say that um, God doesn't deliver us how do you mean? Like, because um, sometimes I've heard people say that God brings troubles into your life so that you change. So um, let's say God is bringing despair into your life And I believe that there's this perfect solution up there for me that I like. Because God would say, oh, I am just perfect for Okay. Okay, here's, here's what happens there. What is the. Here's what needs to change in us. What is the perfect solution? Alan is saying, um, <clears throat> you know, somebody could take what I'm saying and say, well, okay, <clears throat> uh, you know, 
God's always got a perfect solution to my problem, so um, <clears throat> everything is going to be fine, everything is going to be okay, because God's always got a perfect solution to my problem. Well, that's true. God does always have a perfect solution to your problem. Now, well, here's the problem that w- where, where the gap comes, where the despair comes for, from for us. The despair comes in the place where God's got a perfect solution, but I don't want this perfect solution. I want this. Okay? And the, the hard time for me comes in bridging that gap where I come around to the same way of thinking as God has. That's where the hard time comes. Now, that's growth, and God will go after that for you. God will say, ah, oh, yeah, your man's off base there. I tell you what, I am going to help him there. And God steps in. Now, that's not fun. That's not a happy day. I mean, <clears throat> poor Job, you know, <clears throat> he didn't wake up after facing all that and say, oh, happy day. Now, he wasn't singing happy day. He was singing, uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But, but what happened is, there was, a, there was a, a, a distance between Job's thinking and where God wanted him to be. And so all the pain of the book of Job is really God bringing him to there. So that's what God's doing. So yeah, it's going to be hard times. But the hard times, and <clears throat> to be fair, I'm not sure if, you, if, you know, if Job would come to Wednesday night church and, and heard this message tonight that Job would have said, oh, that's it, and he wouldn't have, we, we wouldn't have the book of Job. Right? I think Job had to go through that to get his thinking shifted and moved, and God had to take him through it. And I think that's true for us too. Okay? But here's undergirding all of it. And Job did have this one down. Job knew God loved him. Job, Job knew God. He couldn't work it all out. He was confused about it, but he had it, he had it down. Like, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I know what he's doing. Even if he kills me, though, I'm still going to trust him because I know he loves me. Right? And having that solid rock in there really helps us, even with the torment. And sometimes there is torment as we get to the place where God wants us to go. I don't know, that, uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think that sometimes we think that Christianity is all this peace and happy and joy, and then you kind of give it a say of a light, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, it's like a face patch, and I'll just do this and then the other way. Okay. I'll break that, bring it to me through it, or whatever. But sometimes I find that sometimes when the ground truth is doing this, like, you're still in the spirit, but then you feel that God is doing it because you need to make something. Yeah. Okay, now here's the question. Is it okay for us to be in despair? Now, is it okay for me to be in sin? Is it a reality, though? It is, isn't it? Right? Now, is it okay for me to be in despair? No. Does it happen as part of the process sometimes? Yes. You know, I'm going to look at <clears throat> look at my despair and be kicking myself because I'm in despair. No, I'm in despair because what I'm, uh, you know, what's wrong is I'm not seeing God in the situation. Right? And in my despair, I'm saying, Lord, sh- I need to see you. Lord, move me to the place where you need me to be. So, it, <clears throat> I understand where you're coming from, right? But I've got to give you the answer that's saying, no, it's not okay to be in despair, right? But... God has a plan to bring you out of there. He's not going to leave you there anyway. But the reality is that when you get hit with something, you know, and you're not ready for it, and if you if you were ready for it, you wouldn't need it, right? You know, God is taking you and He works you through it. So it's it's kind of complicated. But we we can't just settle down and say, well, you know what, this is bad. 
There's no way out of this. We can't settle in that kind of... We can settle in a place where I don't like this, Lord. And be honest with God, by the way. You know, don't try and tell God you like something you don't like. The Bible says, giving thanks in the trouble. Right? You know, it's not necessary that I see all the good in it, but I'm giving thanks in it because I know God is doing it. Right? So it's complicated stuff here. Uh, but the reality is, I've got to get the big picture in mind. Now, God's got a plan and He's bringing me through. I think you're talking about that. You, you, you can see that God's got a plan He's bringing you through something, but you just feel awful about it. And that's reasonable. Let, let, let's put it this way. Right? <clears throat> you know, someone very close to you dies suddenly in an accident. You get word on the phone, they're dead. What do you do? How, how do you respond to that? Okay, first of all, shock. Sorrow? Yeah, you're going, to, you're going to grieve. Grieving is real. Grieving is very human. I had them, they were sitting at the breakfast table with me this morning, and they're gone, and I'm never going to see them in this world again. That's hard. That's, that's just hard. I'm going to grieve over that. Right? But <clears throat> remember, despair, we said, was this, was sorrow without hope. Right? <coughs> Now, what's my hope in my sorrow? My hope is God's in charge. He's got this thing in hand and he's working it out. No, it pains me. And no, it hurts me. God's still got the situation under control and I'm okay. Now, and, and here's what you'll find. You can be grieving and have a peace at the same time. You can be grieving and have a peace because God is in it at the same time. Now, it doesn't, it does, in a sense, the pain's still real. Pain's not God. I mean, the, the, you, you, you see, there's a, there's a humanity to us that's very real. So you can grieve, but you can have peace because God's in control at the same time. And pain and peace, side by side. Now, does that make sense? Are we kind of grabbing this? Right, Simon. Because we're all different. Pardon? Well, see, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know that you can say some of us suffer worse than others. We all suffer exactly what we need. God's the master at deciding what it is that we need. You know, and we, we often we often look at we, we look at situations and we think, well that one's impossible. Right? And yeah, we look at the, another situation and it's kind of that, that that's not so hard. But you really don't know because it depends on the shoulders the burden has been placed on. And the burden that's placed on, on our shoulders is, as far as God is concerned, is exactly what we need at that time. He, he chooses it. He works it out. So though it may look much worse to us, what you're going to find is, if you could see like God sees, you would see, hey, you know what? The burdens are not so, you know, imbalanced as they look. Because there's a multitude of things involved in it that God works out. So he... He, he, he doesn't do fair, but he does give us exactly what we need. Right? Christine? Yeah, I'm just, I hear what you're saying, right? 
That's a second aspect on it. Yeah, that God actually uses it in your life, uses you to help somebody else because you've been through it. That's, that's, that's a real thing. God does that in our lives too. All right. Okay, let's, let's pray. and um, <clears throat> Actually, let's take up our prayer request and go to prayer. Um, but key thought for you tonight is this. Talk to yourself. Don't let yourself do the talking. Talk to yourself and talk to yourself with truth. And if you're going to talk to yourself with truth, Get in the Word so that you have truth to talk to yourself with.